0: From the University of Notre Dame, this is With a Side of Knowledge. I'm your host, Ted Fox. The idea behind this show is pretty simple. A university campus is a destination for all kinds of interesting people, representing all kinds of research specialties and fields of expertise. So why not invite some of these folks out to brunch? Yes, I said brunch, where we'll have an informal conversation about their work, And then I'll turn those brunches into a podcast. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. While this isn't a podcast about Notre Dame or Notre Dame faculty specifically, and in fact, many guests will be scholars or professionals from elsewhere, today you will be hearing from the director of our Gallivan Program in Journalism, Ethics, and Democracy, Richard Jones. He and I were joined by Victoria St. Martin, a multimedia journalist at WNIT which is the PBS station that serves South Bend and the rest of the Michigan region. She also lectures at Notre Dame as a distinguished visitor. Rich and Victoria both moved to the area last summer, before which he was an associate editor at the New York Times, and she was a breaking news and general assignment reporter at the Washington Post. They just so happened to be married, too. Here we talk about, among other things, the challenges of being a journalist in 2018, fake news, and prints. So, Richard Jones and Victoria St. Martin, I'm so excited to have you both here. Thank you for for joining me. Thank you for having us. We're honored. Thank you for having us. Rainy day here in South Bend, but we are inside eating brunch, which is the best place to be. So, uh, I think I wanted to start this off just looking at the two of your backgrounds. Between the two of you, Philadelphia Inquirer, times picayune Union, New Orleans, Star-Ledger of Newark, New Jersey, The Washington Post, the New York Times. Am I, am I missing any on that list? I think she
1: had a couple of early stops. She's had a much more exciting career than, oh. than I have, I, I like to think. So.
2: He's kind. <laughs> He's being kind.
0: But, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've been blessed. We've yeah. been really fortunate. Mm-hmm. really fortunate. So the thing I'm wondering, seeing all those kind of diverse places that you've worked, especially as a journalist, if you can talk about the persona of a city. And does that affect the way you do your job at all? Is being a journalist in Philadelphia different than being a journalist in Washington? Is it different than being a journalist in New Orleans? It's a great question.
2: Yeah. I, I think in some ways, absolutely. And I think in other ways, not at all. There's a culture. There's a right. pulse of a city. And you kind of, as a journalist, have to get a feel of that. Um, for instance, when I was in New Orleans... Um, you know, there was a a, a large party element. Um, um, Seems know, like I mean, a
0: very diplomatic. <laughs> <line>. <laughs> yeah, I was
2: gonna say. Um, I
0: went there for St. Patrick's Day once, so I kind of.
2: I, I love New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans is right. my second home. I'm from New Jersey originally, but New Orleans is my second home. And I went there when I was 25 years old. Um, I had just turned 25, um, right? And I learned that yeah, we had. We had parties for our sources, um, and you had to work the room during these Christmas parties with, you know, you have beer and wine, and you know, and cheese and crackers, and you had a, you had to kind of learn how to move through that, right? right. Or like even to cover um, something like Mardi Gras, it was. Absolutely incredible. Mind blowing. Right? right. But also a lot to deal with as a journalist. And I, I don't think I've ever covered anything like that ever again yeah. um, in, you know, the the 10 plus years since I left there. Um, but so in that way, you kind of have to learn how to navigate the space that you're in. At the same time, you're still using those muscles. Right. Mm-hmm. You're you're exercising. Principles of journalism, right? Right. Um, meeting people, introducing yourself, passing out your card, giving your number, seeing if the you know if story ideas will come or if sources will give you tips about things. Um, so in that way, it is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and you working, working, you know, working to mine stories, to mine good, good stories. Mm-hmm. So that is always the same, no matter where you go.
0: Rich, is that similar experience to what you've had? I, I would tend to think so. Um, you know, for example, Philadelphia
1: and New York are both insular cities, but in different ways. Uh, Philly is, is a community where, you know, no one leaves pretty much. I think if you look at some of the census data, uh, people tend to stay in, in Philadelphia and South Jersey more than just about any other place in the country. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so it's insular in that way. In New York City, just about everybody's from someplace else. Uh, right. But they, they both, as Victoria said, they both have their distinct cultures. And as a reporter, the job is to, to get in there, develop sources, and, 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 and really find, identify, and mine those those great stories.
2: Any, and I feel like anywhere you go, you know, even in South Bend, right, there's just this beautiful culture that kind of pulls you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a, as a writer, as a journalist, you kind of always are searching for that. You know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's what kind of drives me to, mm-hmm. do, to do the work that I do, is kind of searching for what makes people tick, you know? right. what, what right. the pulse of a community is so fascinating to me. on,
0: on that front then, and I'm not going to say, I made a specific point when I was thinking about this question, not to say favorite, oh. but I wonder yeah. if you could say one of the most memorable stories that you've ever covered.
2: Oh, that's really hard, yeah. but, um, one of my first stories, um, and I, we, I had just met Rich when I was working on it. Um, It was one of my first real reporting jobs in Trenton, New Jersey. There were a lot of murders that year that I came, 2005. There were a lot of murders, a lot of gang-related murders. And I remember thinking, gosh, like, we talk all the time to the families who have lost their loved ones, but we never talk to anybody who was in a gang. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And um, I kind of said to myself, I want to write that story. Um, and then shortly after, um, there was a girl whose um, boyfriend had died. Um, he was shot and killed. And a co-worker of mine went to the funeral. And um, kind of, they exchanged contact info. And she called him one night, and I was sitting next to him. And he was like, oh, Vicky, you talk to her. You're 25. She's 25. You guys, guys got to have something in common. And we start talking. And... Jessica Maldonado, and we developed a relationship um for over a year where we would meet over coffee and um or at the office and talk about her life and um she was a member of a gang in Trenton and um towards the towards the end of the year um she was she had been she had decided to leave the gang. Um, and I kind of was like Jessica, we need to do this story. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the proudest um, pieces that I've ever yeah. written, and it sticks with me because, I, you know, the one thing that I say to everybody that I talk when I talk about it is, we were both the same age, we were both twenty-five, right? Mm-hmm. But our worlds were completely right. different. You know, I was, you know, starting out my first job as a journalist, and she was, you know, the matriarch of a of a, a blood gang in right. Trenton. Um, she was right. throwing birthday parties for gang members. Um You know I mean, it was just completely different. I was so proud of her though, at the end of the story, and i don 't even know if this ended up getting in, but she graduated from high school. I feel like we grew up together and right. we're still growing up together right? right um and um and and one of my other proudest moments was at, at as the paper came off the press, I grabbed her a copy mm-hmm. and I walked it outside to her and it was like four or five o 'clock in the morning and we just sat there in silence as she read it in her car, and I was like, "Okay, what do you think?" And she was like, "I like it. I think that's what a lot of my career has been about: telling stories of people who normally wouldn't be in the pages of newspapers and on, you know, on TV and on, um, online. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: the ability to be a force for for." For positive change is remarkable, you know. Mm-hmm. We're both Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think um, you know we believe very much in the Catholic mission. Uh, uh, and, and again, I think that that is is really part and parcel um, of, of what's driven on a lot of us in, in our careers. You know, uh, some journalists may not be able to articulate that piece—the the mission right. of journalism, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Giving voice to the voices, you know. Afflicting the comfortable and comforting the afflicted, you know, that, that piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something that drives a lot of folks in the business, mm-hmm. regardless of their faith background. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
2: You tell this great story um, to students about being on campus media. By the way, we both were editors on our school newspapers. Nice. Um, <laughs> yes, um, and you <laughs> tell this great story about going to a rally.
1: This is a protest on at my. Uh, I worked at my undergrad, the University of Delaware, um, and the Black Student Union was was protesting some some policies at the university uh, that they felt weren't inclusive enough, uh, that they felt uh, uh, weren't as fair as they could be, mm-hmm. and they probably had a legitimate legitimate argument. Um, and at one point, I'm I'm, I'm covering the demonstration, uh, and and you know some of the guys I knew in the. In the the BSU, the Black Student Union, said, you know, brother, come on, sit with us, you know. right? Um, and I said, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, as much yeah. as it pains me, and as much right. as I might agree with you in many ways, as a journalist, this is my role to play. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is, this is you know, how how, um, you know, I work to affect change, you know, mm-hmm. um, by, by being as fair as I can, as balanced as I can, and reporting the story as, as fully as I can. Um, uh, and, and it's hard sometimes to do that. It's hard sometimes to to, to you know, even when people are kind of uh, encouraging you to to take a more active role to be more of an advocate in a vocal way, um, it's sometimes hard to say this is the way we, we, we work to affect change. This is how we do it using these channels and, and adhering to the principles that, that we use as journalists.
0: Because you both are so fresh from your you know your times as an editor, as a reporter, and then coming into an academic environment now, but you, I mean you're still really grounded in that world of reporting. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can't be a working journalist today without someone at some point is going to accuse something that you've done as fake news. Mm -hmm. You made this up, it's not Mm -hmm. reported, you're biased, whatever. And I'm wondering, maybe not just with the fake news piece specifically, but just kind of as a window into what's it like to be a journalist in 2017, 2018? Yeah,
2: I'm sure. It is completely different. I think
0: the digital space
1: has kind of compelled a lot more transparency. You know, know, in, in the old days... You know, mid-90s, early 90s, right? (laughs) Uh, uh, It's like the Jurassic period. (laughs) now, right? (laughs) That's right. You would go to a news conference at 10 o'clock. Yep. And you'd get back to the office about 11.30 noon. You'd have a little lunch. You'd start working on your story. You'd write your lead. And you'd file your story at 5 o'clock. And you'd go home. And run the next day. (laughs) And do it all over again. Press all over again. Yep, yep. Now, uh, you go to that press conference at 10 o'clock. You are writing by 10.30, 11. It is up on the web. By you know eleven eleven thirty, um, it has been tweeted out by noon. Mm-hmm. By twelve thirty, you're getting some pushback from readers saying, <laughs> "I've looked at these records online, and I see that this is incorrect or that is incorrect." Or you're getting praise from readers saying, "This is fantastic." More mm-hmm. read this piece. So or the so officials that you covered the exactly or the I've, officials that we've covered. You left out that you left quote. out this piece. So it's 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 a lot more fluid, a lot more uh, balls of your feet it requires to be a lot more nimble. Uh, digitally mm-hmm. savvy, uh, have thicker skin, yeah. you know, <laughs> would imagine. Uh, you know, and, 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 um, you know, to really, I think, uh, uh, more than ever really adhere to those principles mm-hmm. that, that we talk about, right? Fairness, balance, accuracy, making that extra phone call to make sure that I've got all the voices that I can get into this story, do I have all the perspectives that I can add to this piece? Uh, and, and I think that the readers will respond to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll recognize the effort that you put into the work and, and, uh, and uh, you know they respond to quality. I think I really do. Um, I think a lot of the gripes about journalists, some of them, you know, are probably grounded in some some uh, some, some valid concerns. You know, mm-hmm. uh, have we always adhered to some of the ethical values we, we should? Probably not. Have we been as sensitive or, or or kind as we could be? Sometimes, probably not all of us all the time, right? So I don't think we can be arrogant about dismissing those concerns, right? right? Um, uh, but at the same time particularly with regard to fake news, you know, there's real fake news and fake, fake news, you know, uh, and we want to make sure that, that we, we help readers and users understand, you know, the difference between the two, right? So
0: what what would you say? How would you... I think I know where you're going, be, yeah. but how would you do real fake news and fake, fake news? Is it intent with what's going on? I think partisanship mm-hmm. is, is probably the, the, key, mm-hmm. the key lever there, right? Uh, I think if you
1: if you have an agenda, if you have a dog in the fight, uh, if you you... you are looking at a piece and not disagreeing with uh, the quality of the journalism, but you feel that um, you know somehow it represents a viewpoint that you don't share. Right. That's the that's the fake fake news. Right. Okay? <laughs> um, and and the real fake news is the stuff that you know things that aren't really valid stories. You know uh, things that don't rise to the level of being quality quality journalism. You know. Um, so you know I think part of 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 the challenge of this moment is you know I think as journalists you know. That's kind of reevaluating our responsibility to readers and users, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, um, you know, um, helping the public understand a little bit more what we do as well. Um, I think that involves some, 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 some more media literacy by the public. I think it involves more public literacy by the media. You know, mm-hmm. We've got to understand what it means to be worthy of a reader's trust in mm-hmm. 2018. Mm-hmm. We have so many different options, and mm-hmm. you know, so many great outlets doing terrific journalism. You right, know, mm-hmm. right. We really have to make sure we earn that trust each and every day. Mm-hmm.
2: And we can't be scared of it. I think you know, um, sometimes people are like, "Oh my goodness, you, you know, you posted that on Twitter. What? Oh my gosh." Uh, why don't we hold that till later you you can't be scared of it you can't be scared of it you have to embrace it um you know i had an old editor who used to say well i do trust you because you have old school skills with new school skills Mm -hmm. right and we're trying to steep our journalists in our young journalists in those Mm -hmm. old school skills because i feel like if you're grounded in the old school um you know, when you move through the new school, when you move through the technology, mm-hmm. you, you just... It's a, there's a different air about you. Mm-hmm. You know, there really is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's... And you can use um, all of these social mediums to, to better your story, to elevate your story. Um, and if there's solid reporting at the end of the day, behind whatever you do, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. then you're golden.
0: How do you view teaching students and I'm not in asking this I'm not even Mm -hmm. thinking in particular journalism students I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking about today's college students Mm -hmm. how do you teach students to read with a critical eye and sort of sift the information that they're being given because that I mean that's one of the things of liberal arts education you talk about can you be a critical reader can you appreciate that what is being this what is being told to you isn't really supported by truth and this is. And it seems like it's gotten harder because things are presented as legitimate that aren't always legitimate.
2: I love that you said that because that is something that we talk about in class a lot, right? That not all of our students are going to go off and be journalists or work at the Washington Post or the New York Times. Um, we realize that. Um, we want them to be, you know, good consumers of news. Yeah. Do you want to...
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No. And, and, and you know, I think one thing that the, the internet has... has has given us and forced us all to do is be more discerning, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's placed a bit of a burden on all of us as news consumers to, to uh, seek that extra bit of verification when you see something that pops up in your feed that doesn't quite look mm-hmm. right, you know. Um, uh, you know, try to find some triangulation in other news outlets, or primary sources, mm-hmm. um, records online, uh, other kinds of precedents. you know. Examining, you know, this website that, that started yesterday, you know. Mm. Uh, should I Put as much faith in that as you know uh, the, the the Washington Post. So um, I think just discernment is the key, mm-hmm. and, and, and really you know being a dubious reader in, in, in lots of ways. Uh, um, you know, both in terms of, of the content and the perspectives, and, and even I think some of the advertisements that, that you see as well.
2: You know, something many journalism professors have said since the beginning of time <laughs> um, is uh, if your mother says she loves you. Check it out, right? And I still say that, right? Because it's totally true. I think no matter whether you're going to be a journalist or not, you have to look at social media with a critical eye. You really do. Um, um, You know, I mean, it's just like anything else. Um, If somebody says, oh, I have a car over here and it's for free, you know? I mean, you kind of want to... Check it out. Same thing as if you see a a website that pops up, you kind of want to be like, is this real? And check it out. Ask a few people. Um, Look around. Um, You know, I think we all have it in us. Um, You know, is it me? I feel like we all have that in us of kind of like, hmm. Um, But I think just going the extra mile, the extra step, is kind of what tomorrow's... um, news consumers need, um, especially in the age of fake news. Absolutely. Because it's not going to end. Absolutely.
1: And, and, and the practitioners count on folks uh, just receiving it in a passive way. They count right. on you not taking that extra step and, and, and being a bit more a bit more dubious. So, um, you know, it, it, it really is incumbent on everybody to just, you know, let me just check this out. Let me see if I can find another site that says says mm-hmm. this or confirms this piece. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, and I think the the idea that trust is earned. Right? Yes. You know, yeah. Uh, these these outlets that have existed for for decades, you know, they've they've been able to sustain themselves for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are trustworthy and they've earned the trust of, of readers and users. So, um, I think today's newspapers have to remember that, uh, and readers have to remember that as well. That you know, these outlets uh, that are popping up out of nowhere or that, that have these these uh, outrageous claims or
0: odd or, or, or sourcing—they you know? mm-hmm. uh, have to question those pieces very mm-hmm. intensely. It seems that the last five to ten years, anonymous sources have become more common than they. I don't know if you both agree with that assessment. It seems that way, and I'm wondering whether you're you're working as a reporter or an editor, or you're teaching students how to do. What is the ethical framework you're giving someone when you're saying, okay? I have this information. This person is not willing, able, allowed to go on the record about it. How how do you use it? How does that get folded in? Is it about verifying it elsewhere? or How does that work?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that you know anonymous sources are are warranted in some cases. You know, there are some stories that we just would not have known about if not for anonymous sources. Whether it's Watergate mm-hmm. or some of the Patriot Act wiretapping pieces from, from from the last uh, fifteen years or so. Um, So so anonymous sources, when used responsibly, are are essential to to, Mm -hmm. to producing good journalism. Um, I think it wants to be a last resort, though. It wants to be something that you offer only when you can't find the information anywhere else. I think you want to explain to readers why you're you're offering this person anonymity. I think you want to explain uh, how they come by the knowledge they have. Mm -hmm. Um, Might they have an axe to grind, you know? Uh, is this a Republican member of XYZ who you know, may have an agenda against uh, uh, the, the Democrats? So uh, provide as much context as you can. Right. I think verify also with multiple sources as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think that that's a standard that many reporters use. Uh, uh, and that's what I think prevents a lot of, of, of um, some of the potential mishaps that, that we might see. Mm-hmm. Three uh, to uh, five sources. Exactly. Yeah. You know, just trying to... to, to to build up as much uh, supporting uh, background as you can to buttress that that other source, mm-hmm. uh, but but they are essential, uh, and I think the the issue has been cases in which reporters may have been a little irresponsible with how they've how they've used it, uh, and and that's you know again something the internet has brought us right mm-hmm. um, increased competitive pressure, right. push to be first, exactly. you have it before anyone yeah, else has exactly. it exactly, and and you know we always tell our students you you, you have to be right, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter about being first if if, if if you're first and wrong, you lose your credibility, you know? right. and that is what that's that's our product as journalists. You know, we mm-hmm. don't sell newspapers, we don't sell commercial time, we don't sell advertising. The core product of a journalist is credibility, it's authority, mm-hmm. it's, it's trustworthiness. to you know, trust us because we're worthy of your trust. We've earned it, um, uh, and if you lose that, it's so hard to get it back. Yeah, it's so hard to get it back.
2: And I think you know the other thing that you were had mentioned about Watergate and you know sourcing is um, you know everybody says that this is a great time um, for journalism. You know, students are kind of flocking to journalism the way that they had after Watergate. It's kind of like a, a new kind of resurgence of interest. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, you do want to kind of steep that again in in kind of include right. that in, you know... Can you get someone on the record? Exactly. You know, right. can you get someone on the record to confirm? Because a lot of times you can. Um, yeah. Um, you know. Um, you know. After you pull all the pieces together, um, you know,
1: I think a, it is overused. I think it, I think is. it is. It overused. is. I think it's fair to say. Absolutely. Yeah. I think some reporters will, will go to that place first instead of saying, "Who else can right. I get?" And that may be driven by those competitive. I have to get the story out. Mm-hmm. I have a source, so let me just go for that mm-hmm. instead. Um, but it is
0: overused, which is mm-hmm.
2: really. oh, absolutely.
0: I always take more coffee, no. <laughs> <laughs> even when I don't. Even when I don't need it, I have a hard time turning away. I'm like, I don't need more, but I love it. I'll drink some more. Just my <laughs> Thank you. We've had consolidation. We've had papers cease to exist, but newspapers are still here, and in some ways, um, they probably seem more important than they did five years ago. And so, I'm wondering. What do you think the role of newspapers is now, and is that going to be the same 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Is it still kind of a work in progress to figure out what they're going to be?
1: I think um, it is still largely a work in progress, but I think what we're seeing now in terms of a heavy emphasis on investigative reporting, a heavy emphasis on helping uh, readers and users make sense of what's happening, And and that function of an authority, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I think the third big piece of it is commentary. I think those three pieces going forward will probably be the the the, the most uh, uh, you know the sturdiest legs for newspaper to Mm -hmm. stand on going. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the work that's happening now, it's just phenomenal journalism being done from an investigative standpoint. Absolutely. The Harvey Weinstein story, you know, is just incredible work. You know, mm-hmm. uh, some of the things that are being done with uh, the Russia investigation, you know, mm-hmm. just just phenomenal. And I think those are really the investigative pieces uh, that that are that are strong. Uh, some of the the work that's being done in kind of curating information for readers and users, and and, and providing some sense making, you know, that's essential, you know, as well. Um, and again, I think uh, you know, really thoughtful commentary, or opinion, I think, are, are always going to be sought after, just to, to drive discussion out and, and, and help folks shape their, their their own views. So, I think those are the three the three legs for, for things going mm-hmm. forward. Um, you know, they, when I was coming out of high school in, in 1988, they said newspapers were dying, right? right? You know, so this <laughs> has been a right. you know, a very uh, extended uh, uh, you know uh, situation. I think. You know, yeah, they'll be around, I think, 10, 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, uh, I think there's something about, you know, the the act of, of, you know, touching a newspaper. It's a very tactile process and turning those pages and soaking in that information um, uh, from that standpoint. And also, I think, just um, in terms of the stories of journalism, it's it's so essential, as we've seen over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. No matter how you feel politically, this is an important moment for journalism, so... I think this has been a very very hard civics lesson for everybody I this over the past, past years. So.
2: It's funny you say that because um, what you mentioned about, um, you know, will newspapers be around, you know, the Times-Picune is now NOLA.com. Um, oh, okay. after I left, they yep. um, became NOLA.com um, and they print a few times a week. Um, but I think that... I don't know if newspapers will be around in ten years. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not as confident as mm-hmm. Professor Jones over here is. <laughs> um, but I, what I do know is that the journalism that is done mm-hmm. at you know newspapers will live on. Mm-hmm. Um, the reporters, the um, you know the investigative um, journalists that work hard to uncover, you know, things like, you know, um, the Russia investigation will still be needed. Um, I wonder if it's just going to be all online. I don't know. Um, Or if it's going to evolve into something else. You know, the one thing I like to say is that you have to be open and ready to evolve. We watched this great... um, a movie in class last semester. Um, a one page one page one mm-hmm. page one. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the New York Times. Um, and uh, at the end of it, we were talking about just the idea of evolving and always being ready to kind of evolve mm-hmm. um, and change with the times. Mm-hmm. Um, um, your great colleague was was talking about that at one point because he had didn't have a Twitter account. Um David Carr. Yes, David Carr. And then and then he was like, Okay, I'm embracing Twitter, right? And I was like, We gotta be like David Carr guys. We gotta be like David Carr. Um, we have to be able to kind of move with the wind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if newspapers aren't there in ten years, we'll still be. Um
0: something'll be there. Something something
2: has to be there. Something. I don't know what. I don't know what I don't know if it's twenty or thirty or fifty, but I think at the end of the day, you always need good stories and people to tell those amazing stories. Yeah, storytelling will continue.
1: And, you know, I think if, if you look at what's happening now digitally, people are reading more stories now than ever before. Yeah. We look at the phones, Twitter, yep. Facebook. So 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 storytelling will continue. And, and this goes to a lot of what we're doing with the curriculum here at the university. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We really want to train multi-platform journalists, mm-hmm. platform agnostic journalists, mm-hmm. so that no matter what you're asked to do, whether it's a, a text story or a video or a podcast, a podcast. Right, you're able to, to, to move and, and, and practice journalism at a high level on that platform. Right. Um, so that really is driving a lot of our work, as, as, as Professor St. Martin said, just trying to make sure that our students are, are equipped and adaptable and ready to move in any direction that
0: that uh, the industry takes us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the last thing.
2: Oh yeah.
0: And you guys can you feel keep f- going. feel free yeah. to, feel free to start eating.
2: Yeah, no. So no. in my
0: internet sleuthing, speaking of information being on the internet, oh. I found your wedding announcement no. from oh, last oh, year. And I, um, I saw that you were introduced by a, a mutual friend in Yardley, oh, Pennsylvania, yeah. but in looking at all the your stopped at papers, there was no Yardley Examiner, Yardley Tribune, whatever on there. So I'm wondering Obviously, you're both very accomplished as journalists in the same field, what what was it? Who was this mutual friend that brought you together in Yardley, Pennsylvania, all those years ago?
1: That's great.
2: Yes,
0: he's a, a, a journalist.
1: Mm-hmm. Kevin Richardson is his name, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working in the Times's Trenton bureau in Trenton, New Jersey, okay. and living in, in Yardley. Mm-hmm. And one of Vicky's early career stops was in uh, the Trentonian in Trenton, New Jersey, where she did the story about. Uh, uh, Jessica. Yeah. So um, you know, it was it was quite a, a fateful introduction. I think today is I think like the twelfth anniversary of
2: that. I think, oh my god, is today? It That's is today. So wild. It
1: is today.
2: It was so wow. funny because my, our friend um, Kevin, he had said to me, he called me, he said, oh, I'm going to be in town because at the time he was working at a paper <laughs> in Mississippi, <laughs> and he said I'm going to be in town and be in New Jersey. Um, I want you to meet my friend. He works at the New York Times. Um, him and I went to college together. And he'd be a great mentor for you. Like, and I remember, I was like, yeah, right. He doesn't know anybody that works at the New York Times. I was like, he's kidding, right? And, um, and then I was supposed to meet them um, for dinner. But... Um, I didn't I kind of ditched them I feel really bad but I, I didn't meet them for dinner I felt horrible and after the fact I met Kevin before he had to go back to Mississippi with a bunch of journalists in Philly and right before we like are walking into the bar he's like man you should have met my friend Rich he's so cool and you guys both like you know work in the same town and I was like yeah 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 whatever you know? and he was like yeah you know prince is going to be in uh, philadelphia later this week and you know that friend (laughs) that you didn't want to meet he has tickets and i was like really a
0: mentor you say
2: (laughs) (laughs) and i kind of said something like and i've never done this before like invited myself places i'm not the type of person that does but i said something like i wonder if your friend has an extra ticket You know, can you ask for me? And he's like, sure, I'll ask him, you know. But you should have met him the other night. I'm like, yeah, 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 ask him. Um, And he asked, and Rich called me um, at the newsroom and said, Victoria St. Martin, I'm Richard Jones. I have an extra ticket to the Prince concert. And I was like, oh, my God. And so we met at his house in Yardley, and we drove an hour to Philadelphia, and we talked the entire way and that was that was it the rest is, the rest is history 12 years ago today it's that's amazing, it's, amazing yeah. it's insane happy anniversary well, thank, thank you so
0: and I know it's like 9 months belated but welcome to Notre Dame thank really oh thank you happy to have you guys here and we're thank happy you, to be here thank you for doing the show with a side of knowledge is a production of the office of the provost at the University of Notre Dame for more visit provost.nd.edu slash podcast.